very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Porik, good morning to you, good first morning, of all. Good morning, Deirdre, and good morning to our listeners. So it's been um, an eventful week, I suppose, nationally. We're going to start with this in terms of COVID and uh, re- restrictions and level five. And what impact has that had for garden centres? Well, who would have thought we were sitting here last Saturday telling people, well, I, I, I still keep to my point that the garden is still the safest place to be. It surely is. And people should continue gardening and people, the government are asking people to be active during this period. And what better place uh, than be in your garden and have a list of things for people to do that they can do during uh, the, the bank holiday weekend and right through November. Uh, but people probably notice that many garden centres are, are still open uh, simply because they ha- they're supplying a lot of the essential products. So the government have allowed um, the sale of kind of pet supplies. A lot of garden centres have pet, large pet departments. So, and also for landscapers and contractors that are looking for hedging and trees and shrubs and so on. So my advice really is check with your local garden centre. Of course, many of them are offering click and collect so right. you can f- or, or phone and collect I should say where you can phone your order in and uh, pay overline and, and the uh, staff will drop it to the boot of your car um, so that's that has been very popular this week people are making use of that um, so you know check in with your local garden centre at Horkins we are offering the call and collect service you can ring any of the stores the staff will put the order together for you and put it into the boot of your car and of course online is, is very uh, busy at the moment yeah. it was very important during the uh, the initial lockdown in springtime. Um, so our website, horkins.ie, and, and many garden centres have websites um, throughout the, the uh, county. Um, so check, my advice really is to check with your local garden centre. I did a phone ring around to most of the garden centres um, not just in, in in Connacht but throughout the country and pretty much that seems to be right across the, the country approach. garden centres are uh, particularly for, for essential products um, obviously the farm and community landscapers um, and um, for people that are looking for pet supplies but the call and collect and the online is a brilliant way like for example we use DPD and they deliver within a couple of days and they're generally very reliable um, so any of the products, we, anything of the items we mentioned today will be available from either phone and collect yeah. or online at horkins.ie. Okay, and I suppose just on that front, uh, if memory serves, um, the plants, the phys- physical plants weren't, I think, in, in lockdown one, shall we say, going via courier. Is, has that changed? Well, some some plants won't tra- transport. Yeah, tra- pla- just don't travel well. Port, I yeah. should say. Yeah, things like cyclamen and plants that are kind of very, you yeah, know, tender. tender and that could be knocked about, but more hardier stuff like the winter heathers and that are brought in today and some of the herbs and some of the hebe plants and so on. The more robust plants certainly will be available and maybe call and collect might be a better option particularly for plants because obviously you want to bring them home in good good condition Mm. Um, but generally for most of the other garden supplies uh, the uh, online is a great way to do it the bulbs for example are a great way to get some bulbs or Japanese onion sets or garlic or whatever you need to keep you busy in the garden because we have six weeks uh, to uh, to lock down and, and, and to be active in, in our gardens. So um, there's plenty of things you can do through November. There is. And even if you can't get right into the garden garden, you know, you can do lots of interesting things with pots and containers. Of course and, you can. And, uh, you know, so 
definitely if one is uh, trying to fill time or do things it's a great option for yeah people. even it's just simple things like the sowing of seeds I mean it's a funny time in, as we come into November but plants like sweet peas should be sown from seed at this time of, of year and if you think about it nature is sowing seed in the, in the soil at the moment so plants like sweet peas can be definitely sown for seed or if you're if we do get a little bit of good weather even things like broad beans and peas can be sown directly out of doors in your garden soil and of course all the Japanese onion sets that I talked about for the last couple of weeks they're still available and can be planted directly out into your garden soil I also brought you a really unusual uh, variety of garlic. This is one called elephant garlic, right? It's it's actually, it looks like a garlic bulb. Yeah. It is related, all garlic are related in the onion family, but it's probably more akin to a leek than a, a garlic. And for listeners in particular that don't like the heavy taste of strong garlic, right. elephant garlic has a really mild flavour and oh. it's one that you can actually eat raw. So it gives that kind of very pleasant, sweet taste of garlic. It's a perennial plant, so it actually, which means you don't actually have to take the whole plant out of the garden uh, to harvest it. You can just take what you need, a bit like a rhubarb plant, and allow it to continue so to So are grow. you harvesting the stem then, or are you harvesting, you're harvesting the bulb? The, you're har- harvesting the bulb. So see the bulb? So this is the bulb that you actually plant. Now the bulb is actually huge. <laughs> so Hence we're, the we're talking, that's, so that's just that's one, one clove. One clove. Yeah. Yeah. So the one clove. Which it would be the akin to uh, the st- nearly a standard size piece of garlic. It would, it would indeed, a, a normal, to a normal size garlic bulb. And in height, elephant gr- garlic grows to about one and a half metres. So you're looking at kind of, you know, five feet tall, tall the feet actual tall. plant. The leaves are like a leek plant. They're quite broad. And then it produces, if you plant it at this time of year, and again, you can plant it directly out of doors, mm. plant it deeply. Plant it about five to six inches into the garden soil. Um, obviously, put it into an area that's not going to be knocked about too much because it is going to grow to about so five feet by mid-summer. You harvest them generally July and August if you plant them at this time of year. And by planting in the autumn, you end up with a bigger, fatter bulb. But it's just something different, novel, easy to grow. It's a tough plant and um, it has that lovely, mild garlic flavour. But I like it simply because you can actually leave it in the gra- garden to actually continue to grow. grow. So you can harvest what you want in August, July, August, September, and then just let the rest of the plant continue to grow. It's herbaceous, it dies down in the winter right. and then re-emerges in the spring as well. Or indeed you can dig the whole plant up in the autumn and harvest all the bulbs and replant some of the cloves again. Just something different. And would it last for many years? Oh, it would. It's, perpe- it's, it's actually a perennial plant. A perennial plant. So like a rhubarb plant, you'll have it for donkey's years. Uh, particularly if you if you harvest some of it and kind of replant some of the cloves, you're kind of starting the next generation on again. But it's just a little bit different. You know, you've heard me talk about the various varieties of traditional garlic like Marco which is a really strong flavoured mm-hmm. French garlic but this is elephant garlic is different in that it is more like a leek a leek plant and it's the way it grows the flavour of the bulb is um, very mild and very sweet and hence can be eaten raw or cooked or, or you can do whatever you want but particularly for listeners that don't like that so really if you're looking for a hint of garlic rather than the full, on, the full on garlic absolutely I also brought you in some herbs because yep. coming up to Christmas brilliant smell we've a gorgeous Love smell it. in the studio of Thyme, so, yeah, I do so this is just common thyme. It's an evergreen plant, a lovely plant. But again, it, at this time of year, if you plant up, say, pots, containers, window boxes, with some of the herbs you may use during the winter period, but particularly at Christmas time. So rosemary, bay leaf, um, thyme in particular, sage can be planted at this time of year. And again, plants are available at the moment that you can plant simply out of doors. They're t- tough, they're hardy, um, sit them on the windowsill and you can use them right through the winter season, which is brilliant. Um, also, 
Deirdre, for colour for Halloween, yes. you know, for listeners that want to add a bit of colour and cheer them up themselves up for the Halloween period. And thinking of colour for Christmas and maybe right through to next spring, you've got the plants. We mentioned the, the uh, twin girl Heather, so I brought you in a slightly different variety this week. So this has got pink and white in the flower, which are lovely in window boxes and Beautiful, tubs. Beautiful, yeah. But also I brought you the ornamental cabbage. So this is a, a variety of cabbage that's grown for ornamental purposes. I love these. Now, they are edible. You can are eat they? them if right. you wish. They're yeah. too pretty. They're, they're too, too pretty, pretty to eat. So the way this works is, so they've got lovely foliage colour. This particular variety has got a purple centre. And as we go through the winter, and as the temperature gets colder, that purple intensifies. So it goes from this shade of green to a really deep, purple colour and the colour stays on the plant until spring of next year and you get them in a white variety as well so again that can be put in with the winter heather with some cyclamen, maybe some spring bulbs, um, you can add some foliage plants like cineraria or winter pansies and winter violas so if you want to just cheer yourself up for the winter period, this is the time of year for planting up those window boxes and containers patio planters, just for a, a, just a blast of colour oh, yeah. um, you know, and, and particularly carrying through Halloween winter and, and spring of next year. Remember the wild birds as well. So do f- start feeding the wild birds. Now you mentioned the temperatures are getting quite a little bit colder. They it's are. getting a little bit more wintry. So this is the time to feed them. I also popped out to my own garden last night and I picked a box of apples because the weather is getting a little bit rougher. Is that from your own that garden? That is from my... There's the most perfect looking apple in front of me. Uh, listeners. Yeah. Have a taste that of that. That is fantastic. There's, there's an apple that you will not buy in the shops. Uh, I washed it and, and cleaned it for you this morning, so it's absolutely perfect. Um, so nibble on that. It's a lovely variety called Boss Coop. But this is a time of year for picking oh apples God, beautiful. in particular. And uh, so don't let the wind knock them about. Pick them now. Um, cooking apples are ready for picking. Mm. Eating apples are ready for picking. I simply put them into wooden boxes. I stick them in the garage and we use them over the winter period. There's one with a little bit of a mark. You see, I brought yes. that one in specifically. So if, if, the, if they're anyway blemished or damaged on the skin, try to use those first. Now that, that apple will still hold for... There's not, nothing wrong with it. It's, 100% just, it's perfect. just not as round and perfect as the one you exactly. gave me. And oh. it's got a little blemish and a little mark on the skin. It's totally edible. And use those bruised or damaged apples first first and then use that absolutely perfect one that I brought you in. But look, it's the time of year for harvesting your apples. Pears are pretty much nearly ready for harvesting as well. So what varieties have we got here? Um, James Grieve, Boscoop is the one that... That, that I've uh, just taken you, a bite out of. Yeah, and that's uh, Pippin. It's Cox's Pippin, Orange Pippin. Cox's Pippin. Yeah, so it's a small apple, mm. but very tasty, tasty. as well. Yeah. And um, you see little marks on them, but just use those apples first. So it's the time for harvesting fruit. It's also the time of year for pruning back your apple trees, your blackcurrants, your gooseberries. So again, if we get a little bit of good weather and you need something to do in the garden, get out and start trimming back all your fruit trees. Now, apart from cherries and plums, they're left over until springtime. Autumn is also the time for planting fruit. So if you want to add a little bit of fruit, rhubarb, for example, this is the time of year we plant rhubarb into the soil. Use plenty of rotted organic matter or mushroom compost or garden compost. Dig that into the soil and get your rhubarb plants into the soil. They're perfectly hardy through the winter. They will disappear for the winter and re-emerge stronger than ever um, in, in, in early March. But also fruiting plants like blueberries are planted this time of year, raspberries, black currants, a lovely plant called the honeyberry, which is in the Lonicera, the... Um, the honeysuckle family. Okay. It produces a purple fruit, a little like a, a very similar to a blueberry, uh, slightly longer, uh, more like a raspberry shape, but but 
purpley blue in colour. Uh, so that's one called the honeyberry. It does really well here in the west of Ireland. And if, if you cannot grow blueberries because your soil is limey, then the honeyberry is one to grow because it's ex- exactly like a blueberry. Um, and the taste is, is fabulous and it's a really easy plant to grow. So the planting of fruit, the harvesting of fruit, the pruning of fruit trees, and once you've them pruned, you can give them a treatment to the winter wash that I mentioned last week. Um, that, that would be good. Also, if you've got a little bit of time in your hands, this is the time of year for taking hardwood cuttings. And I okay. see my, our friend Monty Don was taking his rose cuttings last night. And it's always a question we get here on the programme. Yes. When do I take rose cuttings? Now, so I now guess is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> now is the official time because Monty Don is doing them. So pencil length, pencil thickness, strip off the leaves and flowers into the little bit of rouging powder, into a gritty mixture of perlite and compost. Stick about half a dozen or a dozen into a pot and you can put them outside if you wish in a sheltered spot. Um, that would be the ideal thing. If you have a greenhouse tunnel, conservatory, certainly that's the, a great location for them as well. But indeed, for many plants... Uh, dogwood plants, for example, um, you know, any hypericums, hydrangeas, you can take cuttings of those at this time of year. They'll root over the winter and give you lovely plants for next season. The other thing I would be doing is you were chatting about maybe planting up some containers, plant up some bulbs mm. for a bit of spring colour. We mentioned it last week. The paper whites, if you want to have flowers for Christmas indoors, the paper whites are lovely. They're a narcissi with a beautiful scent. You simply plant them up in pots, keep them indoors and they come into flower for Christmas for you. So they can be planted and they'll be available in your local garden centre. But bulbs in general, we're kind of coming to them probably the last week or so for planting bulbs. Well, from a supply point of view, garden centres will have run out of them, to be honest, because it's been such a busy autumn. Um, Now, but if you have bulbs in in the house that you bought a couple of weeks back, try and get them planted over the next week or 10 days two weeks you know that's kind of up to about middle of November you really want to get the bulbs planted get what them about going. if you had them from last year <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that a no, confession? No, is no, that a confession? Me, no sir <laughs> well the thing with bulbs is um, generally speaking you see the flower embryo is already formed in the bulb when you buy it okay and if it's left lying around for a year generally the flower embryo dies Dies. so now that's not to say that the bulb won't grow but you may not flower so really when you're looking at your picking a bulb if it's weighty there's a bit of weight in it it's firm then certainly plant it if it's gone papery and soft shriveled up kind of thing to put it in the bed okay but we always get that. I mean, we'll get questions in March. I bought tulips in October. <laughs> Can October I still plant 2015. Them? Yeah, and, and look, at it all depends on the quality of the bulb, how well yeah. they've been stored. Um, but do, do my advice really is you've got a bit of time now, possibly on your hands, so try and get them planted up. And if you can't get them out into the garden soil, you simply put them into pots, leave them outside, and then you can pl- replant them again in the springtime exactly where you want them to flower. So okay. that's the beauty about putting them into pots. So it, it leaves you that option to, and it's a great project to do with the kids yeah. if they're off over Halloween. So they're the sort of things that people can be doing. You know, it's, it's generally that time of year, maybe tidying up the garden a little bit as, as well. If plants are going out of flower, um, deadhead them back, tidy them up um, and start just kind of tidying back your garden a, a little bit. But certainly the planting of colour, the planting of the veg bulbs in particular, the planting of herbs, um, taking cutting, harvesting your apple trees. You've got lots to be going on with. to be done. And the lawns are too wet now at the moment. I did advocate to cut them last weekend. I hope people did. If you haven't, we will get some dry weather again during November and you can still give the lawns mm. a little bit of 
trimming because they've actually been growing really, really strong. I mean, farmers will tell you there's been a great autumn yeah. for grass. Good grass. Great grass growth. So we're seeing it in the lawns as well. They're continuing to grow, but it's, they're too wet at the moment. So stay off them for, for uh, at least another week or 10 days. And if we do get dry weather, you can certainly go back and give them another trim. I'm just going to touch on two other plants on. that you've come in with because yeah. uh, uh, my, cur- my curiosity has peaked <laughs> somewhat. Well, first of all, there's a beautiful plant with loads of berries on yes. it. So I, and people love berries coming into the winter time. Them, absolutely. So what have so we got here? So this is a plant called Skimia reversiana. Uh, don't let the name put you off, but it's a, it's an evergreen shrub. Reversiana is a dwarf variety of Skimia. So this is one for pots, containers, for ground cover. It produces lovely white flowers in springtime and then those flowers transfer into berries in, uh, by autumn. Mm. So these are beautiful red berries at the moment. Now the interesting thing about Skimias is the birds don't like the berries. So you'll be left with your berries you're and, your bit, with and, your your berries. Bitter, and your bit of colour. <laughs> and your bit of colour. So don't, so other plants like pyracanth and cotoneaster, the birds just hoover the, the, the berries off them within a couple of weeks. But skimmias, for whatever reason, the birds dislike the berries on these particular plants. And reversiana is a dwarf variety, so perfect for pots, containers, um, just a bit of, as you say, a bit of seasonal colour. Mm. There's, there's that lovely sense of Christmas There is, them. yeah, it has that feel about it. And there right. are other varieties of skimmia. There's one called obsession, which grows about two feet maybe three feet in height in your garden again it's full of berries at the moment um, Marlotte is a variegated variety so there are different varieties so pop again chat to your local garden centre there are lots of really good there's a lovely shrub called Calicarpa profusion Calicarpa which produces purple berries so that the colour of Barney you remember Barney the dinosaur yes. they're actually that brilliant purple colour and again it's a lovely plant for winter colour the other plant I just actually I nearly forgot I see the picture of it there it's pampas grass yes and no, we, invo- now, we don't have pampas grass in the studio no but this is compact pampas it is, is. It? this is a little dwarf one called tiny pampa tiny so you people would be familiar with the tall pampas grass and they're absolutely beautiful this autumn they're really eye-catching but this particular variety is a dwarf variety so it only grows less than a meter in height so about waist high um really beautiful flowering variety and it's a variety that flowers in its first year so if you plant it now it some you'll probably get it with flowers on it uh, already Mm -hmm. but certainly next year it will come into flower and it only grows a meter high so it's a lovely compact variety it flowers for i mean pampas grass flower for so long the Mm. the the, uh, beautiful flower heads is generally say on until springtime uh, but the taller varieties some, sometimes get a bit battered and bet because they're up six or eight feet in height. Mm. But this dwarf variety called Tiny Pampa is a lovely, small, compact variety. So it'll grow about a metre wide, maybe 1.5 metres wide by a metre high. So it's about waist, just about waist, waist high. Yeah. And um, beautiful plant, really easy to grow, perfectly hardy. And again, if you plant it at this time of year, it will give it's you perfect. lovely colour now, but every year after that. Okay, what and we and we've something over oh, yeah, here uh, yeah, that's kind of silvery looking. Well, again, for for um, pots and, and containers, um, this is called silver broom, um, and it's used just for foliage color more than anything else. Yeah, a bit it, like the cineraria, the silver dust, or the um, senecio, yeah. the, the angel wings. It's a similar type of plant used for foliage color um, rather than flower, but it retains its beautiful silver leaves. I mean, it contrasts really nicely with all plants. Yeah, I thought it worked really with, well with the ornamental cabbage, exactly, you know, in kind of or any of yeah. those so that's a lovely plant as well so look at it's that type of stuff that people can be doing in their gardens over the next six weeks right through November okay lots of interesting options there we're munching on apples here <laughs> I, didn't re- I didn't realize the break was nearly over okay 
Sorry, apologies, listeners. Right, we're going to move to questions. And we're going to start with lupins, Porag. Okay. Um, what can I do with my lupins? And I think this person also is wondering about their hostas as well at the moment. Yeah, and most herbaceous plants, anything that's gone out of flower, look at just tidy them back. Get out there with your uh, shears, your hedge trimmers and give them a good tidy back. I pruned back my hostas probably two weeks ago uh, now and I literally did, did it with the uh, hedge trimmers and tidy them back. So any of the herbaceous plants that have gone out of flower, now is the time just to clean them up, tidy them up and, and um, take off any dead leaves and just give them a good old trim back okay don't right. feed them don't do don't anything with them, them. Right. no just literally trim them back trim them back yeah. okay great um no i know we and t- you can divide them so hostas for mm. example if you want to again if we get a bit of dry weather and and you want to do something physically in the garden a great time of year to chop the hostas back dig them up split them into five or six pieces and transplant them in other areas the other thing i would do if you've got a hosta patch in the garden uh, is to plant some spring bulbs amongst them so the alliums, for example, would be lovely through them or some daffodils and they'll give you colour in the spring as the hostas are re-emerging next year. Lovely. Now, what do we do? There's a lot of tidying up in the garden questions, I notice. What do we do with rhubarb and strawberry plants for the winter? Um, well, well, rhubarb will die back naturally. So once you get a bit of hard frost, uh, the stems will, will uh, just literally die back to nothing. At that time of year, give it a good rake and get a leaf rake and just rake off the dead leaves. And if you can get your hands on somewhat good garden compost, and I, and I should have mentioned, it was on my list, that this is the time of year for making garden compost because the leaves are falling mm-hmm. you may give your lawn one or two mows and there's lots of kitchen waste and newspapers and all of that that you can actually start autumn is a great time to start a compost heap so get yourself a compost bin start adding it with lots of uh, material there's lots of stuff around at the moment if you're pruning back plants or you're taking le- raking off leaves or all of that anything that's compostable can go into your compost heap okay I've just started one. Oh, well done yeah first time I had a long time coming brilliant um, so um, and there's so much household hmm. you know eggshell that yeah. you can put into a tea bags, coffee, coffee grinds, grinds yeah. the whole lot, mm. all green material mm. into it, shredded newspaper. So you can actually reduce your waste, but also have compost then ready to go in April of next year. Yeah. So if you do have good garden compost, mulch your rhubarb, put literally a layer of it over the top of the rhubarb plants. Or if you can get some local farmers, rotten manure or mushroom compost, literally a five, six, seven inch layer of that on top of the rhubarb plants. Strawberries just tidy them back, tidy back the leaves now. Um, so leave kind of two or three leaves on the plant and just tidy everything else back. Brilliant. Okay, I've gladioli planted in pots that have now finished flowering. So what's the next step, please, for them? Well, Mary can leave them actually in the pots over the winter, just tidy them back again, just prune back the foliage. Um, you know, for next year, it might be a good idea to take them out of the pots and just repot them back into the pot again, because the gladioli bulbs will have used up a lot of the old compost that's there or indeed you could plant them out into the garden soil Mary as well generally I I advise looking for the dwarf gladioli bulbs for pots because otherwise they tend to be falling over and getting damaged if you put the tall stem varieties into them but look at it's only a matter of tidying them up now push them into a sheltered spot out of doors for the winter and then next spring next March literally repot them again and start the process off again. Now, the, my begonia died with frost um, and wondering, will they grow next year? So it depends on the variety. You've got you've got um, two different types of begonias. Those that are grown from the tubers. And remember that beautiful red uh, picture we had in on WhatsApp last week. They're tubers, begonias grown from literally a tuber, a bit like dahlias. And those can be lifted from the ground at this time of year, cleaned off, a little bit of green sulphur sh- shaked on the actual bulb itself, mm-hmm. wrap them up in a bit of newspaper and you've got you'll protect them for the winter inside in a garage or whatever and as I mentioned last week you then have the option in the spring of dividing those into two or three pieces and starting them off again so if there are tuberous begonias then save them if they're the common bedding begonia 
they produce a fibrous root. They will, they've got a waxy type leaf, small little flowers on them. They just die at the end of the year and they're not worth saving. Okay, right. So it depends on the variety. If they're tu- if they're grown from little tubers, and look at if you lift them up, you'll actually see the bulb. You'll see the bulb. Yeah. Now, how do we prevent wireworm and potatoes? Well, we had this last week, and, and really, what I was saying is, now there are nematodes that can be used in the springtime when the when the wireworm is. Um, when the wireworm is present. Generally, it takes about 18 months for wireworm to um, pupate and, and leave the soil. Um, so my advice really to that listener last week was not to plant potatoes in that soil next spring. Use onions, garlic, uh, cabbage, anything in the cabbage family, so kale, Swiss chard, all your lettuce plants. There's lots that you can actually use that wireworm won't affect. So leave that soil free from potatoes, pick another area or maybe grow your, your potatoes in raised beds or pots next year and um, that'll give enough chance for the wireworm to leave the soil. Okay. Now, uh, should I move a hydrangea? Well, the answer is, it's a little early yet. Wait for the hydrangeas to drop their leaves which will be another kind of two weeks, normally mid-November for deciduous shrubs. So anything that drops its leaf naturally, so trees or hydrangeas or dogwoods or hypericum that normally shed their leaves, dig those up once we get into the middle of November, once they've dropped their leaves. So wait for the plant to tell you. Yeah. So wait for the leaves to fall and then dig them up and transplant them. If they're in a pot, you can transplant them no problem at all. But evergreen plants, if you've got an evergreen shrub, like a forest flame or a rhododendron, then you can move it at this time of year. So early autumn is a good time or kind of mid-autumn is a good time to transplant evergreens. Now look at the soil is very heavy at the moment Mm. after the rain. Last weekend would have been the perfect weekend to do this. So leave the hydrangea until mid-November and then then move it. Great. Um, Now my strawberries are regrowing. Is this unusual? And daffodils are coming up as well and last week did we have a tulip? Somebody sent us in a picture of a tulip. A tulip, yeah. Um, So it's it's been a very mild autumn. Um, you know, we did have one or two nights of frost, but in general, the temperatures have been above 13, 14, 15 degrees some days, nearly up to 20 degrees over the autumn. And so plants have been physically growing. So strawberries are putting on lots of new growth. Of course, of course they are. And leave, the, leave them alone. Just, uh, you know, the frost over the winter will probably knock some of them back, but that, that's perfectly mm. natural. Um, so there's nothing really that's quite common. And, and bulbs are just responding to that early. Like what you often find in autumn, we get spring-like weather. You know, when you think about it. Yes. So the weather at the moment is not dissimilar to what we're actually going to get in February and March of next year. And it has probably been consistently spring-like for a little while. It sure has. We've got moisture, you've got warm temperatures, and you often find at this time of year, spring flowering plants come into flower in the autumn. So you'll often get a rhododendron in flower in October and November, simply because the plant thinks it's springtime, because conditions are very similar. So when temperatures do fall back properly, then will all of that kind of pause... Yeah. yeah, plants will just literally stop growing. Right. They'll go dormant. Okay. Now, can you use propagating plant rooting balls to propagate apple trees? And what are the best uh, d- ways to propagate apple trees? Okay. So, Seymour. so what the the now so normally the way apples are propagated is by um, by budding or by grafting because you're putting the apple tree onto a slow rootstock, which keeps the the root the purpose of the rootstock. And roses are done in this way as well. But the purpose of the dwarfing uh, rootstock on apple trees is to keep the trees small so that you can manage them. And so the coronet family, for example or a great range of family apple trees that are grown on dwarfing rootstock. So it keeps them below six foot or seven feet and so they're easy to manage. <coughs> what the listener is, is mentioning here in terms of the rooting ball, this is a special device that where you make a, a, an incision into the stem of the plant, you actually wound the plant by cutting it with a blade. You open up that portion of the stem 
whilst leaving some of it still attached to the the original stem, mm. so you're only splicing nearly you know maybe fifty percent of the stem, and you put a rooting ball, which is a special device that goes around the actual cut stem. You put compost into that, and effectively it creates the perfect environments for the apple tree to root, and it yeah. will root. Yeah, and you can use. 10 or 15 of these rooting balls on the one tree, if you wish. So if there's a particular variety, and that's the great thing about taking cuttings of plants. Um, we call it vegetative propagation. Mm. You're actually taking the stem of the plant. So the plant comes true to type. So if you've got a, a, a pink apple or a red apple, then when you propagate from cuttings, it, it produces a red apple. Yeah. Whereas plants that are propagated from seed, because you have two different parentage, you could have a pink and a yellow propagated together and you get something in between. between. Right. So the rooting ball, yeah, they're available. Check online. Um, um, they're generally available in more, most garden centres and they can be used on many trees and shrubs and fruiting plants to, to get them to, to root. Them. It's okay. called air layering. It's a specific type of propagation. Oh, but okay. very, very successful. <clears throat> Great stuff. Um, now, mm. I've taken some cuttings of old plants. So here's somebody who's moved on a step with the cuttings right. and Good. I've repot them in compost. Great. How often do I need to water them? They're in the shed or I might put them in a greenhouse. Um, yeah, put them, in, the put them in a greenhouse yeah. would be my advice. Um, and again, I generally water plants that I've taken from cuttings maybe once a week. I, I tend to let them nearly dry out. No, no not bone dry, but I let them tr- ebb on the side of... Uh, being a little bit dry rather than being excessively wet because remember you're dealing with small young plants they're only initiating roots so they haven't filled the pots fully with compost or with, with roots um, so therefore if the compost is very wet and soggy they tend to rot away so ebb on the side of keeping them dry so once a week once every 10 days what I normally do is check the pots lift the pots if they're weighty leave them alone if they're gone a little bit dry then rewash them okay. so give them a good dousing leave them for 7 to 10 days and, and kind of check them periodically now, can you tell somebody if it's a good idea to plant a shrub hedge like with azalea, escalonia and convolvulus? <laughs> yeah, well, convolvulus is a lovely plant and they're all uh, beautiful shrubs in their own right, but won't really work as a hedge because the escalonia is more vigorous than the other two. So if you want to go for a mixture, go for escalonia, maybe some fuchsia mixed mixed with that. You could put in some green privet. You could put in um, a lovely plant called viburnum, the gelder rose, which produces lovely white white flowers. Maybe a honeysuckle through it. So go for plants that have kind of equal um, vigour because otherwise the Escalonia will dominate the, mm. those azaleas and convolvulus. So azaleas and convolvulus are generally used for shrubs, nice shrub borders, mm. not that suitable for hedging. Rosemary makes a beautiful hedge. Bay leaf, remember with the bay leaf last week, we yes. were talking about the bay leaf trees. They make a beautiful hedge as well. And can you imagine cutting rosemary? You'd be able to all the time cutting yeah. it because the scent sense. is fantastic. So rosemary makes a beautiful hedge in its own right. So does bay leaf. Uh, but you could use the fuchsias and those plants that I mentioned. Um, so try to put plants of equal vigour. That's yeah. the important thing with a hedge. Okay, great. Okay, photographs. We're going to turn to some of the WhatsApps in this morning, Porek. Um, we have leaves. We have a, a climbing hydrangea here. Yeah. And the leaves on the climbing hydrangea are going yellow. This has never happened before, we're told. Any idea what's wrong with it? Well, it's, it's actually perfectly normal. Uh, for this is so this is hydrangea petiolaris it's a it's a um, the listener has actually planted and planted it very well may, may I say because they've actually spread the branches really low on across the uh, the brick wall so they've got great coverage the plant the spread of the plant and now it's going vertically it's growing up the wall 
Hydrangea petiolaris is a deciduous plant. It sheds its leaf every autumn. Some some autumns the colour isn't as good as others. Mm-hmm. So this year, relish the lovely autumn colour that it's giving, and it's going to drop its leaves in a, in, a, in, a, in maybe another two weeks. So that is perfectly natural. The plant is perfectly healthy. Nothing to do with it. One piece of advice for the listener is those stems that are mm. shooting up the wall. Yeah, just pinch back maybe an inch or two of the very top of the stem and that'll encourage the the climbing hydrangea to fill in the, the bare patches. But overall, they've done a brilliant job planting it. It's in great nick and that'll grow another two or three feet next year. Fantastic. Now, um, we've talked a fair bit about cuttings already. Yeah. So when is the best time to plant a blueberry bush? And now? When, yeah, and can you, when tulips and pots? Well, I think we've covered tulips. Yeah, tulips can be planted now and blueberries can be planted out of the door. If you want something different, look for that pink l- lemonade, which is a lovely pink variety. Kids mm-hmm. kids absolutely look, get a, you know, get a great kick out of that. So or the honeyberries that you were talking or about. Or honeyberries are lovely as well, but the pink... Um, Pink lemonade is a pink variety of of, uh, blueberry. Okay. Now, can wood ash be used on all flowers and shrubs? The answer is it can be used, but it's of little benefit. There's a little bit of of, uh, potash in in wood ash, but to be honest, it's of of no real benefit. And I I find it kind of, it gets, because wood burns down so fine, you don't even get the clinkers which are, you know, normally good to add to the soil. So, for example, coal ash is quite good because it... Oh, it breaks it up. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of... it's There's a bit... There's bits in it, as it were, and it kind of breaks up the soil. Whereas wood ash is very, very fine and it tends to make a mess, to be honest. So, it doesn't really add any nu- nutrition. There's nothing harmful in it that's going to damage your plants um, so if you want to spread it around the base of the plants and let the rain wash it in that's perfectly fine but there's little or no nutrition in it there is a little bit of, bit of, of uh, potash in it but apart from that it's that's not really of any great benefit Now wondering what can we do with the amaryllis I cut them back in August and they're all leaves again Okay well the thing with our amaryllis And we have a photograph in And amaryllis is such a beautiful plant and, and, and love. it's an indoor so you buy it it looks like a mini turnip and you can buy it at this time of year you simply put it in a pot water it leave it on your windowsill mm. it grows it produces a stem about two feet high and on, on the stem on each stem it'll produce four flowers each facing north, south, east, west so a beautiful plant and it, you have it for many years the, the thing with it is, once it finishes flowering, so if it's flowering over Christmas, by February you need to let it rest. So you stop watering, you stop feeding it, you let it go dormant. So you let it physically die back, like daffodils die back. And then you restart it again. So you don't keep it growing all the time. And my guess here is the listener may have done that, allowed it to continue to grow. Now, having said that, the plants in the picture look perfectly fine. They're growing really strong. There's no sign of a flower bud yet. So I would just continue to water, continue to feed them, keep them in a bright location and you should get some flower stems by Christmas. Christmas, okay. Well, Christmas, so that, yeah. that, that's probably the aim of the game. Yeah. Um, now, is it too late for spraying <clears throat> of moss on a driveway and what can I put into a tiny, t- polytunnel rather for winter, asks Jar. Okay, well, it's, first of all, it's not too late. You need dry weather, obviously, so use the pack in the next dry day. And moss is there's plenty of it around this year, so wait for the next night, the next dry day, Jar, and, and get your pack on. That's perfectly fine. It'll take about seven days to work. And remember, for the tunnel, so what can you grow for edibles? Remember the. Uh, garlic that we mentioned, yeah. Japanese onion seeds. There's a ra- range of different colours. You can sow the seed of the um, the the Sutton's uh, speedy veg. There's a whole range of different ones there there that you can sow. Um, if you can get some kale plants, maybe in your local garden centre or Swiss chard, they can still be sown. So there's lots of kind of winter vegetables. All the herbs that I mentioned, they would yeah. do really well in a greenhouse or a tunnel for the winter period. 
Okay, great. Uh, now we have a leaf with some little tiny white flies on it and we're wondering, how do we get rid of them? The poor old flies. Yeah, well, actually those little white marks. It's a mar- house plant, I think, of some yeah, kind. Yeah, those little white marks. Now there is white fly, but the white marks look to me more like the, um, what, aphids excrete. Often, <laughs> and so it's a way of actually seeing... Uh, you often notice this or that, uh, certainly this is what catches my eyes like little spatels of dandruff on the leaf okay. that's a sign you've got uh, you've got some aphids so you can use there's actually a very safe garlic spray that you can use again you'll get it in your local garden centre um, so it's a garlic liquid made up in a spray and you spray it onto the foliage and that'll get rid of them it's very safe to use Okay, good or any of the household uh, um, insecticides Excellent. will work for okay. houseplants okay um, I planted a bellus and cenaria I hope we're pronouncing these correctly yeah Yesterday, there, uh, yeah. it's a good. Com- is that a good combination? And also a good indoor, also a good indoor plant for the window. Um, Tommy's wondering, would you have a suggestion on that front? Oh yeah, well, there's so many different. Um, you know, this. I, I think the jade plant for me is a lovely plant. The the it has kind of succulent like leaves, and succulents in general do very well at this time of year um, on on a windowsill. Uh, in relation to the bellus, so bellus is the double daisy. Um, I mentioned them, I think, last week or the week before. And cineraria is that lovely plant with the silver leaves so it's a great combination Tommy to be honest and um, the bellus produce they're called bachelor's buttons because these produce these little button like flowers mm-hmm. through the winter but particularly in spring of, of next year um, I'd also maybe add some winter violas if you have a bit of space maybe some winter pansies just for a bit of extra colour Tommy in the pots but they're perfectly fine out of doors they'll be perfectly happy again maybe some spring bulbs underneath them but it's a very good mix. Okay, great stuff. Um, now, we've got a stunning photograph in. Um, so we just want to describe this to listeners. Um, and it's from Sean and Balcara. Good morning to you, Sean, and thanks for sharing it with us. Just want to show a lovely climber, the Chinese purple bell vine, which has grown brilliantly for me this year. Hundreds of bell-shaped flowers, each one with its own clanger, uh, and it's still in full flower. And isn't it just spectacular? It's absolutely for it? fabulous. And yeah. it's a very vigorous vine. And really tall. Really tall, and it will flower up until we get the really hard frost so this plant could go on in flower till certainly mid-November it's a plant you can sow from seed in early spring very vigorous and um, really, really nice. Very, very attractive. Now, you need some support for it. So, Sean obviously has it growing up on a, 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 or a stake or yeah. a pole or something here. And it's, it's absolutely fabulous. It's probably five or six, maybe seven feet tall. It's huge. Yeah, yeah really doing fabulous. Well. And, and probably has flowered for most of the summer. It tends to come into flower kind of July, August sort of period and flowering right through to November. Okay. Now, I have two questions. Um, photograph in here as well. I've cat mint that is almost finished flowering. Should yeah. I cut it back? And if yeah. so, by how much? And second, I've planted lots of tulips and daffodils in between these plants. Will they grow up through the capment as or, or as they are or do they need more light? No, and that's the beauty about bulbs is that they'll force their way up through. Even if you put a big shrub on top of the daffodils, they're going to come up through it and they'll actually come up to the height of the shrub. So if, if the daffodil would normally grow in the open ground two feet, if the shrub is three feet, it'll actually grow three feet. So the bulb has that b- ability to actually grow t- taller than the plant it's coming up through. Camond is a, is, a, is a really, really great plant. It looks a bit like lavender. It's got that kind of grey silver leaf. It smells of mint and um, beautiful flowers. I mean, it starts flowering in May and, and it's still in bloom in gardens at the moment. I'm a great fan of, of this particular plant and it's a really easy plant to grow. So it's called Nepita or Catmint. Um, now, cats do love it. 
if so. Right, so that's that's a word of warning. Well, if you're just not to keep that, an eye on it, cats yeah. love to rub against it, and that's how it gets its name. So cat mint, really super plant to grow. Trim it back, certainly at this time of year. Tidy it back, um, and, and it's a great ground-covering plant. It's a great filling plant. Mm. I mean, each plant will grow nearly two feet in diameter, and generally they grow about a foot or maybe 18 inches to two feet in height, um, but a super plant. But the daffodils and tulips will have no problem popping up okay. through that in the springtime. Okay, um, so I have Alstroemeria plant and Lovely. want to replant it to a different area. Is this yeah, possible? Yeah, great time of year to do it. And this is a really good time for moving herbaceous plants. Now, again, you know, the, the um, caveat I'd say is just it, the ground is very wet at the moment. So try to maybe leave it for another week or two. But any time over November, December, Alstroemeria's transplant and you can divide them and split them and move them. And that applies to many herbaceous perennial plants. I mentioned the hostas, but things like asters, rudbeckias, they all transplant really well. So, yeah, super time to do it. Somebody's wondering, are angel's wings the same as lamb's ears? Well, it's a slightly different plant. Lamb's ears is a plant called Stasius. Now, it's it's very similar in terms of it's got that lovely velvety leaf, but angel wings grows taller. And I was actually out w- w- uh, for a walk last Sunday and my wife, or my wife was, and she said to me, what's that plant in there, Park? And it must have been, it must have been 50 yards from us. Yeah. But it was a, 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 a plant, a angel wings planted. It must have been five feet in diameter and about 18 inches or two feet in tall. Wow. It was obviously there for at least two years. Right. And it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, but you could you could see it from that distance. I just think in, they're stunning. Yeah, lovely yeah. plants. So so angel wings, Senecio angel wings is a taller plant up to about two feet in height. It's got a bigger leaf than lamb's ears but it's got that similar downy foliage, foliage to it. And silver-like, yeah. silver. is it? Yeah. Whereas lamb's ears is normally used, it's like a lamb's ear, it's a smaller leaf. Right. And it's very downy and it's a ground covering plant. It stays very close to the ground, whereas the angel wings grows a little bit taller. Yeah. Okay. But two great plants. Now, I'm re- renovating an old cottage garden. Would you be able to tell me what type of plant this is? So we've got a photograph in. It looks a little bit minty to me, uh, but maybe not. It may have been introduced initially as a shrub, but it has since spread absolutely everywhere. It is nothing short of a pest. Would you recommend a spray to get rid of it? Yeah, it's pretty, there's no flower on it, but it, it actually looks like to me, like curia, curia japonica, which produces a a, um, a orange flower in springtime. Okay. And, and it does spread, well, it, it spread, it'll grow anything up to kind of two metres in diameter and possibly up to four or five feet in height. But it's got the leaf of um, certainly curia japonica, which is, uh, it's actually quite a nice attractive shrub. Um, so maybe when it comes back into flower, if the listener could send us in a picture of the flower and... Um, we can ad- ident- identify. Yeah, but okay. it, it looks like to me like curia, curia japonica. Okay, can I move an Indian summer plant out of a pot? Well, you, you can certainly repot it, yeah, into a, into a larger pot and now is actually a really good time of year to do that. Okay. Uh, somebody has sent us in a picture of their lawn, Porek. I mowed yeah. it recently. I noticed it's very patchy. I've given an autumn feed over a month ago. Um, also, do I deal with the moss now or wait till spring? No, treat moss now. Like moss, the thing, the reason that I always advocate treating moss at this time of year is that moss starts to grow now. So it, as your as your grass is, is slowing down, the moss actually c- kicks into growth with the cooler temperatures and the wet temperatures. So if you treat the moss now, it's like pulling a weed in February yeah. or pulling that same weed in June. If you kill control moss at this time of year, you're stopping the problem really starting. So I always advocate treating your lawns at this time of year with a zero, possibly again just after Christmas and then maybe in February again. And that just ni- eliminates it, stops it from growing your 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 
you know, you're, you're um, nipping it in the bud, as it were. As it were, and right. And stop me being a problem. Now, we were, t- we were talking about the pampas grasses earlier Come on, us. Porek. So here's a question from Colette. Uh, enjoying the programme while they're out, she's out walking. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, wondering what Porek would suggest to complement my huge pampas grass. I was thinking of surrounding it with drifts of different shorter grasses and what ones um, might be suitable now or available at this yeah, there's point some, in time. there's some beautiful grasses. Um, first of all, you've got different varieties within the pampas grass, like I mentioned um, the tiny pampa there um, but you, and you've also got within pampas grass different colours within the flowers so you could do add more pampas mm. grass but of different varieties but you've also got a range of plants called miscanthus and I planted some of those I think I was telling you yes. I'm, I'm doing a project in my own house at the moment and I planted a full bed of miscanthus which are more they're, they're grassy like so they grow again about there's different varieties and different heights uh, and, um, and different flower colours within the miscanthus family but you've got a fabulous range of grass-like plants that would complement the pampas grass. And miscanthus flowers earlier, so it comes into generally pampas grass. It's kind of late August, September, October, November, December flowering. But miscanthus come into flower July, uh, late June, July sort of period. So you're extending the, the flower uh, colour. Um, so for me, miscanthus, the, there's beautiful, maybe other varieties of pampas grass as well. Uh, maybe some formiums. You know, the formiums come, again, the, the grass-like foliage, and you've got them with different colours, purple and um, one called tricolour that has three different colours in the leaf. And again, are all evergreen. So, okay. Yeah. Now we have a photograph of a, a fairly vigorous uh, aloe vera, yeah. and the question is, how do we tame it? <laughs> and this is well this is the way aloe vera grows I mean it, you know you, you buy it as a small little baby plant and look within a couple of short number it's of years it's pretty monstrous that yeah, one yeah. now you can it does you can cut it back um, so you can trim off the stems and that will encourage new buds at the base but you know, this is the way it grows. You kind of have to put up with it's it. It's a large plant. In the it heat, is yeah. a large plant in time. I mean, it'll grow up to a metre in height. It'll grow certainly a metre in diameter, maybe a bit more. Um, and generally what I advise people to do is maybe after four or five years is give it away to somebody else that's got maybe got a bigger conservatory or a bigger area and start off a young plant again. And they often produce little side shoots at the base that you simply cut with a sharp knife, put them into compost and you start a, a young plant off again. So, you know, maybe every five years, think about changing, changing it. it. Right. Or, you know, look yeah. for another victim to give it to. <laughs> Somebody who might have a bit but more it, space if you're, it is not, if you're tight the, on space. The medicine plant. All you know the the, yeah. the the gel within it is. You could actually cut the, you know harvest the leaves you off could, it and, of course. and use it uh, in that respect. You could of course, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, um, we're kind of running close to the end, but I just want to include one or two more. There's a most stunning photograph here of our Japanese acre acer rather. Yeah. I just wanted to share it in such beautiful and colours. And they're fabulous this winter because you see the colours this this year because we haven't had too much stormy weather and because of the cooler temperatures now. Generally, autumn colour is absolutely fabulous every year and Japanese maples in particular are absolutely stunning. Stunning this year. Liquid ambers are beautiful. Shumacs are beautiful. I did see a little bit of uh, Gardener's World last night and uh, uh, just a few minutes as it happens and there was a man with 120 different kinds of acers and there are just, it was amazing. There's an acer yeah. for every garden, yeah, every, literally. They were, and they, they grow well stunning. in pots and they're, they're actually such a beautiful plant. Beautiful um, plant. The skimmias we had in a little bit earlier. Um, listener wondering, does the skimmia need a male plant to ensure it flowers next year? Well, you can get varieties that are self-fertile. So Obsession, for example, is a variety that has both male and female flowers uh, on the plant. The common variety, skimmia japonica, does need a male. And there's a, the, there's a brilliant male variety called skimmia rubella, which it rubella, the measles. Yes. So the, the flower bulb 
buds on it, which are on it at the moment, are red in colour. They're pimply like, but it's a beautiful plant and it's got a fabulous scent in the springtime. So plant skimmy rubella, even to grow, just grow it as a garden shrub. It's a lovely plant, lovely in pots as well. But that whole family of skimmias, there's such a wide variety of them and that rubella is a male form okay we're going to end with this one what's the best time to give a root of a peony rose to my mother well, well, just just a word of caution. When you do divide peony roses, it sets back your own plant for you know maybe two or three years. But this is the time again. If you want to dig up your peony roses, split them into two or three different pieces, and give them away to neighbours and family and friends, now is the time to do that. But do bear in mind that you set your own plant back from flowering for maybe one, two or three years. But it will come back flowering again once it settles down. Okay, great stuff. We're going to have to leave it there, Pork. So remember, the Garden Centre, if people want to contact us, probably click and call and collect is one of the best ways. So ring the Garden Centre and the guys will look after you or shop online at horkins.ie. Okay, brilliant. So we're back again next Saturday. Last Next yeah. Saturday is our last our Saturday. Our last Saturday, okay. Yeah, so. oh, <laughs> then winter time really is here. Time okay, Pork, thanks Bye. indeed. Uh, we are, as you said, back next Saturday just after nine with Garden and I'll be back after seven all going well with uh, breakfast. Do stand by Michael Neary on the way next with the very best in country after the news on the way at 10 o'clock. For me, good morning to you.